You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. We are going to kick off a brand new series today. Um, First off, it was just awesome to have Pastor Jeremy here the last two weeks um, teaching and kind of setting the course of the vision of where God is leading us as a church. And so, uh, but I am also excited to, to jump into our series leading up to Easter. Um, but I always thought about this. You uh, read across this article this week, but when you think about uh, like fruits and vegetables, all right? You know, this is a weird way to start a sermon. I get it. Uh, when you think about fruits and vegetables, if you have a cramp, you're supposed to eat what? Uh, Banana, right? A banana. Or if you're sick, you should have some vitamin C, so you should eat a orange. There you go, right? Uh, growing up, this will date some people, but growing up, if you want to be strong, you ate a can of spinach. There we go. The young people have like, what? Uh, spinach comes in a can. Um, but if you want good eyesight, you should eat what? Carrots, right? So I saw this article where uh, this actually started in World War II, uh, the, the British Air Force actually started this campaign saying that carrots gave their pilots greater vision. Uh, and they, they actually looked at statistics and like, hey, the, these British pilots are actually um, doing a better job of hitting their targets and seeing the enemy planes from further away. So they started this whole campaign. They had posters about it. Eat your carrots in leafy, uh, leafy greens or yellow vegetables. So they said, hey, vitamin A is is the, the advantage that our Air Force has in seeing enemy planes and in winning the war against Germany. Um, come to find out, this was actually totally made up. Um, they, they started this whole propaganda because they didn't want the Germans to know that they had installed radar into these new planes. And so they started this whole, hey, eat carrots. That's what gives our pilots greater vision. I'm like, that is brilliant, first off. And I've been duped my whole life. I'm gonna do some more research when I get home today to figure out whether I need to eat carrots or not. But here's the thing, is, is so much in life, we, we see something on TV, we hear about something, and we're like, well, what's the real story? Or what's behind the scenes? What's, what's really going on? When we look at the life and teaching of Jesus, there's no hidden agenda. There, there's no like, propaganda, he says one thing and means something else. It is, it is clear, it's concise, it's black and white. And as we unpack it, we see there's, there's depth to it, but there's not this ulterior motive of God trying to control us or Jesus saying one thing and living a different way. Yes, he, he spoke in parables and taught in examples, not uh, to try to bring confusion, but to try to bring God's truth down to us in a way that we can understand it. And so as we unpack this, we're going to look at, um, in, in the book of John, there's seven I am statements that Jesus made. And we're going to look at just one of those for the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter. Um, but we're going to look at this as we lead up to, to Resurrection Sunday. Uh, but so if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in John chapter 14. Uh, we're going to start in verse one, but let me give us some, some setup, some context before we, we jump in there this morning. Um, John chapter 13, Jesus is predicting his betrayal. He's telling his disciples, hey, one of you guys are going to betray him, betray me. And they're like, what? Not me, not me. Um, and then he talks about how, um, you know, he's going to die. And this is when Peter jumps up and Peter's like, Jesus, I'm ready to die with you. 
I'm going to die for you. And Jesus is like, Peter, 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 Peter. Like before, before the rooster even crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so there's all of this, like these bombs, these truth bombs that are, that are dropped on the disciples. Like, hey, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. You guys are going to desert me. And they're like, what? And so we pick up John chapter 14 in verse one. And Jesus says this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Hence the context. Some heavy things going on. He says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare, or would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I am going. Now, I always say this, when I, when I read the, uh, the gospels and I see the interaction of the disciples, one, we, we look with like hindsight of like, how did you guys not get it? But like, if we were in the moment, we wouldn't get it also at certain times. And I also, like, I, I kind of play this out in my mind sometimes. It's, it's like when Jesus poses a question, do they look at him? Like, who's gonna answer first? Because you never make eye contact. Remember, in the classroom, you don't know the answer. You never make eye contact with a teacher. Because as soon as you do, you get called on, right? So I imagine when Jesus says these things and there's questions, they're like, who's gonna answer? I'm not. Last time, remember, Peter's like, I just said that. And he said, I'm going to deny him. So there's always like, I wonder if there's these tense moments where they're like, who's going to speak up? Uh, so verse five, he says, hey, you know where I'm going? And uh, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Thomas now, he tags out and tags in Philip because he's like, I'm not gonna speak again. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, I have been with you all of this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that, I'm, I, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work that you have seen me do. And Jesus makes this statement where he says, hey, I am the way the truth in the life. And, and what we want to hone in today is, is this idea of the way. What does that mean? Not like the, the catchy phrase in the Mandalorian for all those that watch it. This is the way, right? What, what, is, what does that mean? We, we understand it. We've heard this before. Hey, he's the way, the truth, the life. But what, is that, what does that really mean? And almost more importantly, what does that mean for us? Like, yeah, we, we get that Jesus is the way, but if we to unpack that a little bit and to dive in a little bit deeper below the surface. Like, what does that actually mean to where the rubber meets the road and how it changes how we live our lives? Because that's what we want. No one wants to go to church and go home the same. We all want to come. We want to hear the word of God. We want to be trained and transformed in the process. So a couple of things. One that we have to understand is that the way is offensively exclusive, yet graciously inclusive. It's a mouthful, right? Think about this, the, the way that Jesus is saying, it is offensively exclusive, 
but yet it's graciously inclusive. Not just that there is a way, but Jesus says, I am the way. Not several ways, but I am the way. What's interesting is if you zoom out for just a minute, if you think about world religions, oftentimes Christianity is criticized for being, well, you guys are just, you guys who believe in the the resurrection of Jesus, you guys are, are arrogant and prideful because you guys think that your way is the only way. But if you actually look at other religions, their way is the only way to them as well. But why is it that, that we have this, uh, this knock on us that yes, we do claim to know the only way to the Father, the only way to redemption, to restoration, to salvation is through Jesus. But, um, and the other thing is like they, they say that, um, that following Jesus, that Christianity is just a bunch of rules and regulations. Like you, you believe in Jesus and so you get a rule book you have to carry around and you have to check all the boxes, cross all the T's, dot all the I's. And it's a bunch of rules to follow in order to have right standing with God. If you think about it, Buddhism uh, requires following an eightfold path. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds intense. Um, includes understanding the universe and acting, speaking, and living in the right manner with the right intentions in order to receive redemption and salvation in their eyes. Um, Islam, that your good deeds have to outweigh the bad deeds. Um, Muslims hope that repeating by what Muhammad did will be enough to get to heaven. And also, if not, there's extra prayers and the extra stuff that you can do, like, like bonus questions you can answer in order to be in right standing. Hinduism, another example, um, you gotta rid bad karma, selfless devotion, to service a particular God through understanding of nature and universe. That's just, no one can understand the universe. Like that's a, that's a massive step on the rung, isn't it? Or remastering the actions needed to fully appease their gods. Look, Christianity is the only way, the only religion that says you cannot do enough. Every other man-made way of trying to understand life and purpose says, hey, do enough, understand enough, behave enough, check all the right boxes, and then just maybe then you can be right. And Christianity is over here saying, no, no, we're all, we're all messed up. Nobody can fix it. Like there's not enough things that you could do to actually earn salvation. So the, the notion that like if we do enough things, if we... That's not true. And what Jesus is saying is, is this, this way that he's saying, it's offensively exclusive. Meaning that there is only one way. And to those that have not yet received the gospel, that can be an offensive message. What do you mean that there's only one way? There's only one way. Jesus lived a perfect life. He, he laid down his life. He, he was without sin. He was without fault. He was the, the perfect son of God. And he willingly laid down his life to be crucified, to make atonement for all of the stuff that we couldn't fix on our own. It's, it's exclusive. There, there's not plan B. There, there's no other route. I, I saw this picture years ago. Um, it's of a tree out in the middle of the desert. Um, I don't even know where it's at. I, I think it's maybe in the Australian outback. Um, but the world often thinks that we all start in one place and that like every, every road leads to your perception of truth. 
Like you start somewhere and like all roads kind of lead to wherever you believe. But the reality is, is that I think it's a great representation that all of us start in a different spot in life, but we may follow a different path, but the end of the path for everyone is Jesus. There, there, there's no like other tree, there, there's, no, there's nothing else. It's all of our, like your salvation story looks different than mine and looks different than the person next to you. And those that have not yet made Jesus Lord and Savior, your, your story, and we're praying for your story of redemption, looks even different than ours as well. The, the circumstances that you walk through, the, the family that you grew up in, your, 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 your proclivities, your, your sin, your faults, your failures, your, your, your road to, to Jesus looks different than other people's. But your road ended in Jesus. Like that's, he is the way. It's exclusive. There's not multiple paths that lead to the same destination. It's we're, we're all on this journey walking different paths, but to one destination and one destination only. And that's Jesus. But yet, the way that Jesus offers is also graciously inclusive. You know why? Because I'm included. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a failure. You're included in it. Like what's interesting is that the early Christians, they were criticized because they would take anyone. Slave, free, rich, poor, sinner, saint, tax collector, fisherman. They were like, this is a like motley crew here. Surely, surely this, this isn't like, this is something man-made or, or concocted up because like God would not pick this team. Like I've played kickball before and this is not how you stack a team, Right? You, you look at his disciples alone and you're like, oof, was there no one else? I mean, I know you see potential, Lord, but Peter, really? We get to laugh about parts of it in here, but I mean, Jesus, John refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. Even puts it that he outran the other disciple. You know, like, come on. It is graciously inclusive. And the message is, is that Like God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that no one should perish. The coworker that annoys you, the boss that frustrates you, the neighbor that you don't wanna see, the the person maybe sitting next to you, I'm just joking, right? But no one, there's no like, there's no appendix in which we need to look at the reference of what does it mean by, by no one? It means no one. It means everyone. It means that, that, that it's, it's for everyone, all who call on the name of Jesus. And so the, the way that Jesus says, when he says, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that, that Jesus saying, I am the way, it's, it's, it's offensively exclusive to those that have not yet accepted. But those that say yes realize that it's graciously inclusive because regardless of our past, we are forgiven. So yes, he, he makes a way for us. The second thing, this one's kind of obvious, that he is the way to the Father. He says that no one, I am the way, the truth, the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. Look, a- apart from torment and bliss, one of the defining characteristics between heaven and hell is the presence or the absence of the Father. 
that the, the torment is, is caused by being eternally separated from your heavenly father who loves you, who made you, who created you, who knows the number of hairs on your head, who knows every day before it happens. Like we are designed, we are created in the image of God and our souls long for communion and the presence of God Almighty. We're made that way. The fullness of joy is found in the Father. The fullness of peace is found in the Father's presence. The, the, the fullness of, of satisfaction, of love, of, of everything, it's, it's found in the Father. And Jesus says, look, I, I am, not just there's, there's other ways out there, but I'm, I'm the only way. There had to be atonement. There had to be, there had to be a price paid for the sins of humanity. And Jesus said, I'm that way. And that all who call on the name of Jesus shall be saved and inherit eternal life. And so the, the only way to be store, restored back to a right relationship with the Father is through Jesus. It's not by, by going to church. Yes, it's important. It's not by reading your Bible. Yes, that's important. It's, it's by confessing that Jesus is Lord, asking him to be savior. Like that's the only way to the right relationship with the father. The thing that we are made for. If you think about it, like, go back to the garden, right? Before sin entered into the world, Adam and Eve, they, they, they walked with God in the, the evening. There was no shame. There was no fear. There was no sin. There was no pain. They were in the presence of God Almighty. They walked with him. They were in perfect union. And sin has separated us. And so the only way to make things right. For some of you, this, this maybe is freeing. You can't do enough. You can't earn God's love. You can't. Jesus did it for you. So the striving has got to stop. The, the, the attempts to do enough, I've got to cease because that's not the way of Jesus. He says he is the way to the Father. Not, hey, follow these 6,432 rules and just maybe, just maybe, you'll get enough questions right. He says, I'm the way to the Father. You wanna be restored back to where you're made to be with the Father, come through me. Thirdly, is that he is the way to live our life. Jesus is the, the way in which we are to lead our lives, or live our lives. There are many ways in life that lead to where we don't want to be. There, there's so many different paths and route. And, and what I love is that when you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at his interactions, it's not this idea that we just do what Jesus did. It's do with Jesus what Jesus did. It's this, the, we have the, the Holy Spirit, we have the presence of God with us, leading us and guiding us. Like, we need help. We, we, we can't navigate through this life on our own. And so we have the wisdom and the teaching. I mean, think about it. Think about just relationships, right? God is the author of relationships. So why would we try to, like, read an article about 10 tricks to, you know, to convince so-and-so of whatever? Like, it's... There's, there's all kinds of advice and hacks and talk shows and, and articles and, and newspapers and, and you name it to try to give you wisdom on how to live your life. 
God is the author of life. And he doesn't just save us and say, take luck. You know, like, hope it works out for you. No, the, the way that we live our daily lives, knowing that we are destined for eternity in the presence of God Almighty, how do we live out this, this blip on planet Earth? We do as Jesus did. His way is the way that we model our life. He's the authority when it comes to finances. He's the expert on reconciliation. He's, he's the, the perfecter of our faith, of, of how to endure, of how to walk through hardship. Why is it in the middle of sometimes we, we walk through these things that we're just like, I need to figure this out? No. We need to see how Jesus does it, and we need to model his ways in our life. Matthew 7, Jesus says, says that you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. We take comfort in knowing that Jesus has prepared a place for us, but also he prepares us for that place. He prepares us along the way because like when you surrender your life to Jesus versus now, we should look different, right? There, there should be a noticeable change in our life, not because we got some like Ned Flanders sweater and a giant Bible and we're just supposed to say the right things and we've got these big words that now we say and we call everyone brother and sister and we don't know why. Like, you know, no, there should be a radical change because when we realize that we are fought for, that we're loved, that we're restored, that we, we couldn't do enough to, to earn a relationship with, with God, but, but Jesus saved us and took on my sin upon himself. And we're like, man, if I can trust you with my eternity, I can trust you with my kids. I can trust you with my job. I can trust you with my marriage. I can trust you with my help. I can trust you with what I'm walking through. And if we actually trust him, not just say it, but actually believe it, then we trust his ways. And we trust that, hey, we're supposed to forgive. Pray for our enemies. You ever done that? To actually, not just like the smite him prayers. You know what I'm talking about? Don't act like you haven't done those either, okay? But Lord, bless them. Mm. Make your face shine upon them. Like, no, not like that. You know, like, but Lord, only you can change hearts. To actually turn the other cheek, to actually lower our, ourselves and to have the posture of a servant like we've talked about in the last series. Those ways aren't easy. It's not like a bunch of hacks and we're like, oh, if we just do this, that means that everything is so much easier. No, no, no. Often the road is hard. It says, Wide is the road that leads to destruction and many find it, but narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And it's hard. But it's worth it. Because more than just preparing a place for us, he prepares us for that place. Why? So that when we just talked about when we share our testimony, when we tell other people the gospel, the good news, they see it in us. They see it working in us. They're like, oh, that makes sense. That's why you are the way you are. That's why you have the joy that you have. That's why you have the hope that you have. Not because you read some BuzzFeed article, because you have the hope of glory. 
that you know that you're wonderfully and fearfully made. When we know that, when we know that we've been redeemed, that we've been fought for, that we've been called a son or a daughter, we live differently. Because we don't have to strive to find our earning. We don't have to strive to find our value. We can rest in it. We can be who God calls us to be, who he says we are. And we are, yes, we're daily molded and we're transformed in the process. So believe that he's the way to the Father, the only way to the Father. It's exclusive yet inclusive. That Jesus is the way that we are supposed to live our lives. Um, And then lastly, is that he is the way through the brokenness of life. He is the way through the brokenness of life. He says this, don't let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God and also in me. Some often think that the avoidance of pain is going to be a solution. It won't. Or just ignoring brokenness, ignoring pain, that doesn't fix it. Rest won't even carry you through. You're like, I just need a breather. I need to just stop. Like, the, the fix for the brokenness in your life is not a vacation. Yeah, those are nice. I mean, I, we just got back, and, and I'm more tired than before I went. Like, you ever do that? You're like, I need a vacation after vacation. Like, it's stressful. You think, it's going to be peaceful. It's going to be, like, we... We were running late to the airport. There was snow. There was like, I pulled a home alone in the airport. Not like, oh, kind of. I full-on sprinted through the airport. My family was at the gate. We went with my in-laws. They were all at the gate. I dropped off the car. I was begging people in security, can you please let me through? My, the gate is closing in seven minutes. And I was like hyperventilating in the process. I looked like I stole something. Because as soon as I went through security, I threw my shoes on and I just started running, like full on sprinting. My book bag rips open halfway down the terminal. My clothes, because I packed too much, are falling everywhere. I look like the biggest hot mess. Like I was getting, bless your hearts. And I pick up my stuff. I start running again. It falls open again. I just carry it at this point, a dead sprint to the gate. And they're like trying to either tell my family, get on the plane or you're staying here. And they're like, let me on. I'm out of breath. I'm like, I'm panting at this point. I'm wheezing. Finally, I get on the plane and like it was higher altitude. And so I start coughing on a crowded plane. Everyone's like, ooh, he's got COVID. You know, it's like, I couldn't control. I'm like, (laughs) and I had no water. I was dying of thirst. My son's sharing his like small bottle of water. I'm like, dude, you're, you're a godsend. Thank you, buddy. I was stressed out of my mind. Traveling is not fun at times. Like just my wife and I, we go away because it's like we don't have kids in tow. Like maybe sometimes, but, but it's stressful. The, the answer to brokenness is not a vacation. It's not rest. It's not burying our head in the sand, pretending like it's not existing. It, it's not just thinking positive thoughts. It's not a self-help book. The answer to brokenness in life is Jesus. He's the answer. He's the way through brokenness. It does, it's not the way around it. It doesn't change the fact that it happened. But it changes what happens to us as we walk through it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I, I've had the privilege to 
um, be a part of many weddings of, of joining a husband and wife in holy matrimony and, and celebrating that day. And, and, and I've been at moments where children are born and brought into this world in the highest of highs of people's lives. I've also had the honor of being bedside to people in their last days and even moments before they pass away. I've walked and counseled people through some of the most horrific experiences and pain and tragedies you could imagine. And their, their hope and their answer is not, well, I, I read this good inspirational poster one time. So I walked through grief even myself. You walk through it and you're like, I couldn't imagine doing this without the hope of Jesus. You're like, that, that would be unbearable if I didn't know the end of the story. Death would be unbearable to face if we didn't know the end of the story, that death is not the end, it's the beginning. Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus shut the arrogant mouth of death by giving up his life on the cross. Death could no longer boast. It couldn't brag because Jesus has the victory. Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for, for they shall be comforted. In the Greek, there's, there's two words for, for poor. Um, I'm, one is penes. I have looked these up. I'm not that smart. And one is uh, tokas. Uh, penes means like the working poor, which, you know, you, you have to work to earn a living. You didn't have an inheritance. Um, but tokas is... is is a different word for poor that's used in this context. It's the begging poor. Meaning if somebody doesn't show mercy on me, I will die. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that are, that are broken, that, that realize their need for mercy. When we realize our need for mercy, and we encounter a merciful, holy, just God who didn't just want a way for us, but gave his son as the way for us. It changes how we walk through pain. It changes how we walk through brokenness. I love this in Hebrews four, it says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. What I love is that Jesus isn't some like, spectator, armchair Jesus. You know, when we watch sports on TV, we're all experts, right? It's like, well, they would have hit that shot with a nine iron instead of an eight. They would have, you know, or, or oh, why'd they throw the, the football like that? Or we, we're all experts at that, <laughs> knowing that we, 
If we stepped on the field, we would be crushed like with a half of a hit and die, like probably, you know? Our backs would be broken, like, like for younger, dumber me, you know, maybe. But Jesus isn't this like armchair spectator. He, he doesn't tell us how to walk through things in ethereal ways. He, he, he doesn't tell us with this untested, untried. It, it's not like the, the, the wealthy trying to tell the poor how to not worry about tomorrow or the, the well-fed telling the, the hungry not to worry. It's him who is betrayed talking to us about betrayal. It's him who is rejected by our closest friends talking to us about forgiveness. It's him who willingly laid down his life who talks about servanthood. This great high priest of ours, he can sympathize with us because he experienced the full gamut that all of human life can throw at him. So he empathizes with us. And yet in that, it's not pity, it's mercy. And it's grace and it's hope. Because not only did he walk through it, but he walked through death in the grave itself. And certainly if we can trust him with our eternity, we can trust him with our daily life, we can trust him with the brokenness that we experience and the pain that we walk through because he is a good God who gives good gifts to his children. Let me pray for us today. Father, we thank you that you just didn't send us on a scavenger hunt to figure out the secret method or six ways but you didn't just say you loved us, you sent your son Jesus to show your love for us. That while we were dead in sin, Christ died for us to give us a hope and a future, to restore us into right relationship with our heavenly father that all who call in the name of Jesus shall be saved. So Father, I pray that as we understand this truth and as we live out this truth that we don't understand the gospel is good news not just good advice it is good news that you set the captives free you've come to heal and to restore you made a way through the wilderness and God as your as your people may we walk this way through all of life's seasons, good and bad and everything in between, with a confident hope and an expectation, God, that you work all things for our good and for your glory. God, that death is not the end of our story and that you are continuing to write it. So Father, help us to walk in your truth. Help us to trust the ways of Jesus and that we may be a beacon of light to the world around us. So Father, we thank you for this day and it's in your mighty and holy name we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Church, we love you. As always, our prayer team is down here in front. We'd love to pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Uh, but church, we'll see you guys next Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. 
find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.